Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 6, Episode 6. My name is Timothy. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hey there, kids. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you very much for asking. Alrighty, so we got some fact check to begin with. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I heard uh, another friend of mine does a podcast similar to this one, but they talk about pop culture and art and stuff like that. And they were saying that they had heard, uh, or Candy was saying on that show, that she had heard um, that uh, the, the creators of the movie were video producers. They used to make vid- music videos and stuff like that. And so basically everything everywhere all at once is every idea that they had that was rejected by Rihanna, <laughs> they decided to make it into one big giant movie, which is why the, the one of the reasons why it has that sort of what the heck is going on, you know, different kinds of ideas in there that's cool hmm. and the other thing twenty thousand leagues under the sea i did a little bit of math so a league is roughly well it's basically like twenty thousand leagues would be sixty thousand miles or as I in- incorrectly stated last week but i was just kidding ninety six thousand five hundred and sixty kilometers however the average depth of the ocean is 2.6 miles, and the deepest part is 6.8 miles, and that's the Mariana Trench. So I don't know how they managed to get that submarine down 20,000 leagues below sea. Beneath the sea? Beneath the sea? Is that what they said? That title is? Yeah, 20,000 leagues under the sea. Yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. And uh, as you suspected, Jonathan, Birdman did win the Best Picture 2015. Yay. I wondered why you said that, because I, cause I was thinking, like, is that a sci-fi movie? But then you were just referring to the fact that it won that year. Yeah. Um, yeah I wouldn't call it a sci-fi movie. It's existentialism, but it's, I don't think it's real uh, sci-fi. True. And The Lord of the Rings did win, um, Return of the King did win in 2004 Academy Awards. I don't know if that's the year that they gave the award out or the year that the movie came out. I'm not sure. Oh, well. And Better Than Life is, in fact, the name of the, the novel by, the Red Dwarf novel by Grant Naylor. I'm liking this fact check. 19, this is like validation. I feel like it's like, good job on my memory. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just on, on my part, Jay Baruchel is actually, in fact, playing Mike Lazaridis. And uh, Glenn Howerton will be playing Jim Basili, which who are the two, Lazaridis and Basili were the two founders of the Blackberry, or the creators of the Blackberry. And, uh, and I'm, I'm calling an audible. I know we don't normally do audible fact checks, but um, uh, it was funny. I was watching, the, if you watch the latest episode of uh, Ted Lasso, they were talking about the office and he got confused. They were talking about the British office. He was talking about the American office. And he says, oh yeah, y'all did make a pre-make over here. So I think pre-make is a new term we should adopt. A pre-make. pre-make. Yeah, that's... Yeah, well, it solves the prequel problem. We just call it something else. 
Yeah. Oh, wait. So, uh, so I saw a bunch of tweets this week on the Netflix story. I, I did go to validate what I could, and I went to Twitter, and I saw shots of people's screens from like a week ago. Like one person was saying they have multiple routers in the same house because they their their reception is horrible, and uh, they went to watch a movie in the in the you know up on the third floor, and Netflix said you have to log in on the the. The, you know, the, the IP address connected to the house, right? So, oh, Lord. But anyway, so, Jonathan, it leads me into your, your fact check here. Yeah, well, I, I also wanted to follow up a little bit on the Netflix uh, story, whether or not, you know, how things are going up here in Canada, where they are testing out this new non-password sharing era that Netflix wants to enter into. There was a few different articles. I, I did grab this one, which is from BlogTO. So this one is mostly about the fact that people are who people who have quit Netflix over the past number of weeks since this has been announced here in Canada. Apparently, they are getting uh, a lot of notifications from Netflix saying, hey, just so you know, we've got this low tier. You can just jump right back in for six ninety nine oh. and or five ninety nine. You can get it per month, and so people are like cracking up at the fact that you know uh, Netflix is apparently you know we're sorry, come back. The one person oh, because people left. Yeah, one person saying here uh, since canceling Netflix, I've had six emails from them asking me to resubmit. Are you struggling there, Netflix? Like, yeah, um, this. Uh, it mentions further down in the story that uh, there was a survey on the website Mobile Syrup, which is a tech blog up here, and they they polled 7,000 people responded to a poll of uh, their Netflix uh, habits post this decision, and 46% of them said that they have either canceled or uh, have no intention of getting their own accounts now that the passwords can't be shared. So... That's not an insignificant number, and that is in here in the uh, the confines of Canada, where we tend to be, um, you know, you know, not the worst, I would say, offenders for you know uh, uh, piracy globally. So interesting. Um, and the last note on this story is. Users have found the streaming platform has yet to enforce its password sharing policy in Canada. So it sounds like they are. Making these threats, I certainly got an email that was basically saying, you know, hey, you know, choose your entry point. You you have to decide which is your main one. I ne neglected to do this, so it, it would have defaulted to uh, my home and not anywhere else that I, I watch Netflix. And I do watch Netflix at other places from time to time. And I have been known to loan my password out to people from time to time, too. Uh, but for the record, it seems that they are not necessarily... Uh, cracking down quite yet. It sounds like they're struggling with this. I'll be very curious to see uh, if they decide to roll this out in other markets, how far they decide to do it in other markets, and particularly how it fares in the United States. Jaime, what do you think? Is there, is there a, uh, is this, you know, Americans don't like to be told what they can and can't do. How do you think this is going to go over if they roll this out down south? I mean, if you can't get the, uh, you know, very nice Canadians to follow along patiently and nicely. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with the Americans? Like, I think that's why they probably freaked out about it. That they're uh, put a little little test here. So, I I can't see it going all that well. Yeah, it it, it does not seem like a good recipe for long term success. 
you know, we've talked about it before, but it does speak to the fact that, you know, the, the, the streaming model that is based on nothing but subscriber growth is a deeply flawed model. It has to be, it has to be a combination of subscriber growth, cost increases, you know, tiers, like you have to find ways to, to monetize that differently. And in some cases, again, with this five ninety nine bundle that they're offering now, they're adding commercials in, right? So, you know, it's pretty bonkers that, that, that they think this is going to just, you know, go over smooth as silk and everything's going to be like, okay, well, you know, I was sharing passwords with my kids before, but I can't do that now. So I'm going to stop doing it. Like, oh, okay. People are going to be like, um, I've got six other services and you guys are good, but not that good. Mm-hmm. And I could save 25 bucks a month. So how bad is the low tier? Is it like a, like, like HD quality or it's not quite, not 4k, right? It's not 4k. You cannot have more than one person watching at a time. You cannot download anything, so you cannot take it with you anywhere. Uh, and there are commercials. So it sounds like bad cable. <laughs> well, I mean, bad cable, but it's still, it's still, I mean, at $5.99, it's still way cheaper than the $80 I'm paying for Rogers or you're paying for Rogers, you know? It's true. And I think, but I think what it really comes down to is like, what do they have? Do they have enough of what you like that makes it worthwhile, irrespective yeah. of what you're paying? You have to decide, obviously, based on what you're paying. Yeah, I mean, you have a couple of services like Hulu and that that have commercials, right? Yeah, uh, I've got the cheap plan for Hulu, so that has commercials, and the cheap plan for Paramount Plus, so that has commercials as well. And do they drop commercials in at inappropriate times, like in the middle of a sentence and stuff like that? Or No, it's um, it seems like it's been pretty much where you would expect a scene change, and maybe they actually even have right. the like chapter marks or something that they're using for that. Yeah, sort there's of thing. a signal or something that they send to broadcast TV. Anything else on that before we move on? No, I think we're ready to move on. All right, let's get to the headlines. And look, it's Jonathan again. Yeah. Um, so we'll start this week with some surprising news from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios. Story that uh, was broken by The Hollywood Reporter earlier this week that uh, Victoria Alonso has left Marvel. So you may not know who she is, but you have definitely seen her name. She has been an executive producer on almost every Marvel project since the Avengers, uh, the first Avengers, that is, movie. And she was also, uh, for quite a long stretch, responsible for the visual effects uh, when it relates to the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. So she joined the studio in 2006 as chief of visual effects and post-production. And she's since gone on to uh, work in more expanded roles, including working as a senior executive, one of the sort of top brain trust of people who decide what's happening inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe on television and in the movies. Later this week, there was other follow-up stories that seemed to indicate that she was, uh, it was not her choice to go, that she was uh, uh, relieved of her responsibilities. This is all coming in the wake of what is considered to be a disappointing performance for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at the the box office, and uh, some, you know, questions around what's going on with the Quality of the Disney Plus series. Not everybody loved She-Hulk and Hawkeye and some of those other series. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a strange move. And, you know, you always wonder if this is, you know, scapegoating or if there really is, you know, she was making decisions that, you know, weren't necessarily jibing with the, the, the other senior executives. Um, you know, it is a little upsetting that she seems to be the most senior woman in, in the group and now 
I, I, I don't know every single person in there, but it seems like she was sort of the most well-known woman and to see her leave, that's disappointing. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Do you guys think that there could be anything to do as far as a shakeup, as far as, you know, Hey, things aren't going great. Let's, let's sort of, you know, shuffle the deck. Let's do things differently. Let's maybe, maybe move somebody up into her spot that might have some different ideas or yeah, these things always have a motivation. Yeah, I don't pretend to understand what Marvel and those studios do. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, like if since you singled out those shows, like I think She Hulk was a decent show, and I think that Hawkeye was a decent show. I don't see those why those would be. And you know, Quantumania was. I mean, we're not talking Avatar money, you know, but still, I mean, there were still decent um, properties as far as Marvel goes. I think they'll stand the st- they'll stand the test of time, you know. Yeah, in terms of people will want to watch them. Yeah, I think um, it could be a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. You know, when things get kind of rough, the economy and everybody's looking to make cuts. You know, if you just coincidentally uh, have some lower performance, it's a really good reason to say, hey, we're going to try something different. Um, you know, if if things were going gangbusters, it would be a lot more shocking and say, oh, somebody probably, you know, uh, peed on somebody else's couch or some weird, like, personal thing. This one feels more like, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's time we do something different. Could be because of interpersonal conflicts. Could be because of creative direction. It could also be like, hey, uh, we spent a boatload of money and we only got half a boatload back. So let's figure out what to do next. You know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for somebody who's been there for like twenty plus movies, I'm like, yeah, your legacy is done. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like uh, not. It's not the same if there were, you know. Uh, like the singular director across all these movies or um, the singular uh, like Johnny Ive, you know, art director or, you know, something like when it's George Lucas, it's like, oh, that was a big change. Right. When things moved out of well, his Kevin Feige, and... right. That would be the that would be the big domino. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be a, a big one there. So um, not to diminish this person's work, but it's like, well, it's a it's a thing where you would expect somebody to have moved on at this point anyway, right? Like, um, they could become like a studio head or something after their, their success. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Lot, lots of change going on. Everybody's, everybody's changing stuff. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they spin this and if we see any differences, but I guess we'll keep our eyes peeled and see if that makes, makes any difference whatsoever. So we had spoken about how last episode, how Willow was not getting a season two at Disney Plus. We were all pretty bummed about that. Well, this week we got a story where uh, Jonathan Kasdan uh, spoke to Entertainment Weekly. Uh, well, I spoke to Deadline, I suppose, repurposed by Entertainment Weekly. He, he tweeted this week as well, saying that uh, perhaps the term cancelled is not necessarily the best term for this. So he said, quote, the truth is less splashy. Uh, he said, are we going into pre-production on volume two right now? No, not right now. Does that mean we're never going to make it? Absolutely not. So, mm. you know, maybe this is just him sort of pieing in the skying, but, you know, he says, perhaps the one thing Hollywood has been great at over its entire history is servicing the appetites, no matter how obscure of its consumers. And I have total confidence that if an appetite for more Willow persists, Disney Lucasfilm and the amazing cast and crew will satisfy it. So he's not writing out the possibility. He basically, as you read the rest of this piece, he basically goes out to outline that they weren't ready to make a volume two based on volume one. 
However, they he said that just meant that they weren't ready to do it within the next 12 months. And within the next 12 months, it wouldn't make sense to do it because uh, they, they couldn't get it all together. And in that case, they, they decided it was best to just shut down the production, put it on the back burner for now, and release the actors from their contracts so they could go get other jobs. So right. maybe, maybe we'll still get another season. Well, that's good news. I mean, I mean, and it's not like shows haven't gone. We've noticed that with, you know, shows that started on broadcast television, The Expanse is one, for example, which did, you know, three more seasons on Amazon Prime, right? So, and I think some shows have come over to Netflix that were um, originally done broadcast TV, right? So yeah. it's not, it's not unheard of, but yeah, like, it, yeah, it's, it's good that it's good that he's come out and sort of explained the reality of why they're not pursuing it hot and heavy, right? Yeah, and you know, I I can honestly say if I if I step away from that show and be objective for a second, I can look at it and say it wouldn't be off. Like some shows, it's weird where, especially if they have younger stars, where they're like, okay, we're going to start another season, and it's like four years later or six years later, and it's like, well, you can't exactly pick up where you left off. But I think from where Willow season one ends, spoiler, 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 spoilers. There's definitely a logical place for them to say, oh, we went back to Tirazlene, we went back to, you know, uh, Queen Sorsha, and we spent years there practicing, getting ready for the next f- phase of the fight or whatever. Like, they could really spin it in a logical way that would fit into the story. It doesn't have to pick up right where it left off, right? Hmm. Yeah. Kind of like Re- Re- um, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> or Picard, which we'll talk about <laughs> a little later in this episode. You mean, the, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Easter regular, Easter regular Palooza, Palooza. Palooza, that's right. Man, and I hope you brought a carton, because we've got some Easter eggs for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Stay tuned, folks. Next up, uh, so a couple quickies for Star Wars. Uh, we got news this week that the Daniels, the uh, two uh, Daniels that worked on the Everything Everywhere All at Once, won the Oscar for that. They are going to be working on, or have already worked on, uh, this is Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, I should say, uh, are, have already filmed an episode and directed an episode of the Star Wars Skeleton Crew series, which apparently they did before the Everything Everywhere even came out in theaters. So it was one of those, people are like, why would they, after that, why would they go and do Star Wars? Like, no, they did that actually like ages ago. It just happens that it's coming out this year. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be like a Rihanna music video, right? Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that, that obviously they took their influence for that. It'll be interesting to see them now, uh, working with someone else's property and working within the studio structure that, you know, everybody has talked about how Star Wars and Marvel and, and franchises like that are very much system controlled and controlled by yeah. a small group. And it'll be interesting to see what those two very talented directors can do within that right can they can they go and do their own cool things or are they just kind of doing what they're told cool i mean i like their movie so we'll see a little extra star wars news this one's weird it's from uh, a website called above the line and uh it says that so damon lindelof the creator of lost and his writing partner justin Britt gibson were contracted to write a script for a new star wars movie and apparently they turned in their script and walked away and basically said, 
Like, here's our script. It was due by this date. We're done. We are not coming back. We're not doing any more drafts. We are not going to be involved in this project. Like, here's your script. Peace out. Wow. <laughs> Which is weird. Okay. It's a little weird. But, um... Yeah, it sounds like, so it says in this article, plot details remain under wraps, but the top secret project is going to be unveiled at Star Wars Celebration next month, along with its title and a brief synopsis. Do not expect any casting announcements just yet. So, interesting. I mean, David Lindelof, very talented, has done some great projects. Obviously, Lost is great, uh, well, till the end. And he also did the, the Watchmen limited series for HBO, which I wanted to hate, but was really good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's uh, I'm kind of curious what his sort of story inside of a Star Wars universe is, but also a little worried that he was like, I don't want to work on this. I wrote it and now I'm leaving. You guys Lindelhoff fans? No, I've really I've, I've watched like the first three episodes of Lost and I never got into it. So, yeah, just fell off that one. Mm. I think I told you that I saw J.J. Abrams speak at Macworld or at uh, WWDC at one of the lunch sessions. And in the question and answer session, somebody asked a question about Lost and he ran off the stage. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. Jaime, were you a Lost fan? I never got into it, so I missed the whole uh, cultural moment around Lost. Hmm. Yeah, I came to it a little late. I didn't start watching i think i started watching season three or season four and i, I did the whole sort of dvd catch up at one point because one of my coworkers would not stop talking about it so i was like all right i'll i'll, I'll dive in so I, I grabbed the dvds and i caught up and the first few seasons were were really interesting like trying to understand exactly what they were going for and then it, towards the end it kind of went off the rails a little bit they 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 had an opportunity to try and sort of write out a landing and it did not land very softly. So I could understand why not everybody's not everybody's a fan of how it all ended. You can't everything can't be breaking bad, right? Yeah. Can't, everything can't be the event horizon. <laughs> oh wait, maybe it can. Sorry. <laughs> Ow. Drive by <laughs> drive by on event horizon there. <laughs> That's an easy one. It's like playing volleyball. <laughs> uh News from Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, our good friends at Netflix are making a Gears of War live-action movie. I thought we knew this already, though. Isn't that the one with the big giant guys and the stuff and the smashing and the crashing and the came to <laughs> that I could be so many Mac things, Tim. That could that could be so no, many I, things. I, I, no, I, I, there was a, there was a version of Gears of War that came out on the Mac to show how great the Mac GPUs were at one point mm. one year. Remember that? How many it was introduced at WWDC and. Or maybe it's on the iPad using because of the mm. fancy chips in the iPad or something like that. Right? I get confused between Gears of War and Halo. I think they they're conflated to me. So even though I know they're not, <laughs> that's the part that makes this confusing because I'm actually not sure how to answer either, Tim. Because it's uh, you know there are a lot of these. Uh, this is of an era, right? This is definitely of the the Halo era. The 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 pattern is um, you know burly men with guns and Probably a lot of beige and brown and, and medium tones for lifelike realism. This is pre-Fortnite uh, rainbow neon colors that you see nowadays. So um, maybe we heard about a live-action movie. Maybe it was rumored. This seems like it's more concrete uh, in terms of uh, planning. Yeah, I mean, it seems like I've I, I played the games. They're fun. They're a lot more... 
shooter oriented than they are. Like the story's fine, but it's you know it's nothing really special. It's not um, it's not the best story I've ever seen in video games, but it's it's fun and it blows up good. So if they're making an action movie where things are fun and blow up good, then good. If they're trying to make this into you know The Last of Us, it's I I don't really see that happening, but who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happens. Like, this is like the sequel thing I was telling you about in the 70s. When, when one successful formula comes along, everybody else has to take a swing at it, right? Until they realize it's, it's a dead dead issue, right? Yeah. Well, that's it. And then they, they do it till it's dead, like the Western, right? But then looking at, looking, well, the Westerns went on for years, right? But the, the um, looking at the screenshots of the Gears of War, I was wrong in terms of what I was thinking it was. But uh, but I see, I see, yeah, it is just, you know, people running around with big giant guns and shooting and... Mm-hmm army kind of stuff so it's very it is i guess it is very similar to halo right yeah it the 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 sort of strength of it was that it was you know it was very graphically good when it came out and also they had this sort of mechanic where you could you know hide and cover fire and do stuff like you know it wasn't just you know like uh you know uh, 17th century battles between the french uh, french and the british where they stand opposite each other and shoot you actually could like you know like Berlin and yeah, evade exactly. and you know it's a little more a little more closer to reality but again that was 20 years ago so you know well i guess there's a market for it yeah i guess um i had to bring this one in because we had talked about this on previous episodes so we talked about how the voice actor for rick and morty one of the co-creators justin roiland had been uh, facing charges of domestic abuse in California. Those charges this week were dismissed. Uh, They were dropped because the uh, district attorney's office in Orange County felt there was not enough evidence to prove them in court. So that is not their way of saying he is innocent by any means. It just means that they do not think they could get a conviction based on the evidence they have. Oh, I see. Okay. So. Okay. Uh... Yeah, I mean, obviously, if he is guilty of these things and has gotten away with it, that is very, very, very awful. If he uh, did not do these things and he, you know, was a, that he's accused of and he was, you know, cleared in that way, I guess that's good. I guess your mileage may vary on what you believe. Uh, either way, he is not going to get his job back. It sounds like uh, if, if we read that piece a few weeks back, he is uh, not welcome back with the Rick and Morty uh, production nor with. Qualaman or Solar Opposites or any of the other things that he was working on. But uh, I would imagine that in the wake of... uh, So he said on Twitter on Wednesday uh, that he's thankful the dismissal, but, quote, deeply shaken by the horrible lies that were reported about me during the process. So I would imagine that somewhere down the line, we will probably see Mr. Rowland's name pop back up because that's what Hollywood does. (laughs) Yep. And I will end my little uh, news segment here and move on to Jaime next with some sad news that uh, we lost a, uh, uh, I don't know about beloved, but a much-liked actor who's been in a number of popular uh, action and sci-fi movies and franchises. Lance Reddick passed away this week at the age of 60. Uh, again, you might not know his name off the top of your head, but if you see his picture, you will automatically know who he is. He was uh, one of the stars of The Wire. He was on Fringe. Of course, he was uh, the concierge in the John Wick movies. And uh, yeah, I mean, this guy was uh, was one of those guys. One of those guys who just was the glue that held together really good movies and shows. And uh, and I always enjoyed his performances. Every time I would see him, I, I would think, oh, this guy's going to be good. And 
yeah, I think like everybody, I was quite surprised uh, to, to find out this week that he'd passed away. I, honestly, he's s- such a handsome man. I wouldn't have even told you he was 60. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, it just doesn't like he looks fantastic. It looked fantastic to, to the end. It's um, yeah, it's, it's really, really upsetting that he's gone at, at such a young age. But uh, but he left a great legacy behind. So thanks for everything, Lance. Yeah, and it just says that um, natural causes. We have no idea. No, I mean, maybe something's come out since then. But uh, but within the first few days, they they didn't have any anything concrete. Over to you, Jaime. See, this is why we need to have like the the news media sort of thing of you know like a like a bad thing, a neutral thing, and then a lighter hearted <laughs> thing. Because <laughs> right after that uh, cheerful news, we have the more silly news of. Uh, Paramount Plus will be the home of the Good Burger sequel. The uh, 25 years, <laughs> according to this article, 25 years since the original Good Burger movie came out with uh, Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell, Nickelodeon fame. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, now now they have kids that are getting a little too old for Nickelodeon now. Like it's, it's been <laughs> it's been that long. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Not much more to add in there other than. Um, you know, this is this is what streaming gets us. This is probably not a movie that would make it into into theaters, but it's one that. Uh, are these, are these the two guys that had the show back in the day, like yeah, Keenan Thompson and yeah, Keenan and Kel? Yeah. Keenan and Kel, they were on uh, all that. Um, it feels like they were in like a whole bunch of things around that that one time, that, that era. Hmm. And then Keenan left that immediately, went to SNL, and has never done <laughs> never done anything else since. He's just been an SNL guy. Yeah, he's one of like the longest tenured one too. He did a sitcom last year. It's true. He has done, and he's done movies and stuff like that. I'm just saying, his his main job has definitely been. Uh, he's he's got to be near, nearly 20 years on SNL now. Oh, easily. He's, yeah, it's been a long, 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 long time. Yeah, he's Lauren Michaels' understudy, I think. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know what the 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 all time tenure is for for somebody on the show. He must be getting got to be him. Got to be him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a easily. fact check for us. Next one here is. Uh, some new Tron customizable figures that you can go buy at uh, at Disney World. I think they're promoting a new uh, Tron uh, roller coaster there, and you can get yourself uh, scanned as part of their selfie series program and put your face as a little hologram or a little uh, like TV screen looking kind of thing on a on a figure. So it's a little easier for them to to customize. You know, they're not like three D printing out something uh, to, that looks like your face. Um, which probably means it's a little faster, uh, maybe a little cheaper. I don't know what the original ones cost, but hey, there you go. And when I look at these, and granted, this is an audio medium, so take a look at the notes, show notes, you know, as you're transporting home. Um, I'm like, wow, one of these could just be like a Kang the Conqueror sort of uh, look. You know, the, the shape of the face is kind of similar, so you can do that too. They they announced the third movie, right? Did they? I feel like it's been in in like development hell for like a long time. Uh, so yeah. uh, you might be right. I, I might be behind. Yeah, I can't remember if they actually announced. It. I know they they announced this uh, this thing at Disney World, and they announced the there's a ride and that, and then the customizable figures and stuff. But yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious as to whether they're going to actually uh, or if they have announced Tron Three. Such a weird franchise. The first movie is awful. Like it's it's genuinely quite terrible to rewatch. It does not hold up well at all. The, yeah, the yeah. The, I mean, you know, well, again, it's kind of of its time because I mean, at that time, it was kind of very sort of 
you know, in the same sense that Star Wars and the, you know, the motion capture of the, of the rockets and all that kind of stuff was sort of un, unseen before, um, Tron had that sort of drawn over film, you know, mm. um, neon looking thing. That was new. You're right. The story was garbage, but. Well, and again, the fact it, that they, like, they didn't go as far as maybe they needed to. Like, they're clearly wearing Cooper hockey helmets. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. some of it's a little rough. It was rough at the time. And it doesn't yeah. does not hold up. It spawned a lot of video game, a lot of uh, like arcade games, like you know the 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 what are the light cycles and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and the disc game. I mean, and, yeah, mm-hmm. it was some really bad video games. But then that was the, the of that age too, right? In the eighties, right? Yeah, there are people people of my age who just love Crown. I don't understand why, but I there are again. I'm not one to throw rocks. I'm a huge Howard the Duck movie fan. So what are you gonna do? And on that note, (laughs) check my words. Uh, Well, no, I, before we get to that, uh, I want to just do a a real time fact check on Keenan Thompson. This is his 20th year on Saturday Night Live. And he is in fact, the longest running cast member. He's also the first cast, first regular cast member to be born after the show premiered. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So Hmm. a couple of, a couple of interesting things, interesting things about him, but yeah, that's, he's, he started in 2003 on, um, on Saturday Night Live. After doing four years of Keenan and Cal, but not right away. Like it was a year gap. Alrighty. So we're at the main part of the show where we talk about something Star Trek related, hopefully. And this time we're going to be talking about Star Trek card. And the name of the show is the bounty is not the mutiny on the bounty bounty, but a different bounty in season three, episode six. So Jonathan, what's your, your uh, elevator pitch? Uh, I mean, this one was just, it just popped into my head. It was, you know, hail, hail, the gang's all here. This is the first episode where everybody, (laughs) all the classic characters are in the same episode. So my, I have, I have a pitch, but I want to hear Jaime's pitch first. Mine was uh, less, less classy, more straightforward that, uh, you know, the crew of the Titan, in order to learn the truth about what was stolen from Daystrom Station, must burgle the station itself. Right. Great, okay. great use of the word burgle there, Admiral. Burgle. Yeah. Burgle. And Jaime. <laughs> yes. My, uh, my pitch is where's Barkley? Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> He's the only person. Barkley and Morn are the only ones. Well, no more was a different show. Yeah. Yeah. This was, uh, this was an Easter egg jam packed fan service up the wazoo extravaganza of a Star Trek episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were there were some pretty interesting Easter eggs at the beginning, but then it just it just went off the off the rails after a while. Like I don't know if you you probably saw the Genesis two device. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and the, uh, the for some reason it said James T. Kirk. Like, do they have his body there, or was it his exoskeleton? I don't know what it was, but it was like an X ray, and and uh, Rafi was looking at it. And and of course, you know, Quark, uh, Worf walks up to the. Uh, the Tribble cage and the Tribble goes bananas and attacks the glass, right? The mighty attack Tribble, as, as uh, Riker called it. Well, because Tribbles hate Klingons, right? No, I know. I, yeah, I, I get that. But yeah, but, yeah, yeah that was that's a great how discovered that one guy was a disguised Tribble in the original show. They really have come a long oh. way with the Tribble animation from like l- oh, I know. little, teeth little on that bottle thing? of fluff to like leech looking vampire creature in this one. That's gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, but it was it was it was ridiculous. I mean, like they pulled out all the stops on on the entire cast member. Every cast member was in this one, wasn't they? Every, every original yeah. cast member, short of Will Wheaton. Yeah. Yes, but he's busy. But you know, he was on the after show, so it's all good. Oh, was he? Yeah. Well, he he hosts the ready room, right? Oh, hosts the ready room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, okay, so we'll start with the pew pew pew. For the pew pew pew, I didn't really think there was a lot of great action in this one. I mean, I guess Riker fighting off the people, but I thought the best pew 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 was Jordy and his daughter having their sort of you know head to head. Although <laughs> it felt a little con- a little contrived, like you know. We're so scared for you. You have to get off the ship. Like that's a wildly yeah, that was a bit. Heavy. That was a bit. That was that was sort of like the Ensign Row thing that we we had objection to last week, right? Yeah. You know, like like, but the, but apparently the the episode was Row was like the second last episode of the the TNG when she went off to join the Maquis. So you know, so like, so you know, it wasn't like there was thirty years between the shows, right? Jonathan Ely. He stepped off the Enterprise, and then he stepped onto this one, and yeah. then, you know, so there wasn't that thirty-year gap, right? Yeah. But yeah, the 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 whole Jordy not wanting to take risks thing just didn't make any sense to me at all. But that was his his actual Micah Micah. Yeah. Um, what's her name? Uh, last name Burton. Burton. Thank you, Micah Burton played the sister. Yeah. Uh, to the to the um Sydney, who's the uh, the yeah, actress. She, she played Alondra, the, right? the the good sister, yeah. the the stay at home yeah. sister. Yes, the engineer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Following in dad's footsteps. Okay, now, uh, Jaime, did you have anything different for your for your uh, pew pew pew? It was difficult to choose uh, pew 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 on this one, so I went with uh, I guess the spoilers here of the the cloaking effect mm. that was kind of yeah. interesting to to see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was cool. That was like cloaking device. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to go Easter egg hunting because this thing was yeah crammed to chuck, the gills chuck a block all right yeah. so there's the ones we mentioned already the genesis device was on daystrom station what appears to be kirk's body L- later in the episode we find out picard's body was there um yes. and then at the fleet museum we also get the enterprise a the defiant the voyager and the hms bounty which is the stolen klingon bird of prey from star trek 4 oh that's the bounty right okay hence hence bounty being the title of this one Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys spot anything else? I'm sure there's other stuff. There was a Klingon, um, bird of prey from the original series. Did see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, as well as of course, yeah, you mentioned Voyager already. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that whole, I think the, the space station with the, the, the retro collection is going to be that the model that all the kids want this year <laughs> at Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess we should say Moriarty was also, a. but nobody wants the fat one, right? Yeah. Oh yes, Moriarty was an Easter egg too. Yeah, and the whistling. The whistling was kind of an Easter egg too. True. That was that was from the first episode where where um, Riker goes into the holodeck to meet Data. Right? That's right. That's right. Their very first meeting. Yeah. 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 But yeah, this was uh, this was a trip down memory lane between Geordi being back and then later Troy, mm-hmm. and so you know we get we get get to see everybody now, and then of course yeah, all these classic ships and all these little uh, little gifts to us. It was um, yeah. I mean God. Cup of Easter eggs runneth over. Mm-hmm. The yes, and did you mention Marina Sirtis at the end there? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Troy, we got to okay. see. Yeah, Marina Sirtis back. I mean, we'd seen her in like she's on the monitor and stuff, and now she's physically there. I was wondering if it was her and their daughter, but I didn't see her, so I assume it's just Troy, which is probably cleaner. Yeah, and they did, they did the uh, the data with the uh, R two D two projection. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> all. So, like, as soon as I saw his li- the, the the beam of light come out of his eyes and the little the little representation, there, I was thinking, waiting for Le- Leia to say, "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi." Yep, um, that was a bit ridiculous. So, the probably the sort of aha moment of this, we've been speculating since the beginning. We'd seen in the teasers that there was going to be 
Brent Spiner playing some character. We weren't sure what exactly yeah. that was. And it turns out that that is an amalgam inside of a golem. So just like Picard got his... Yeah, because I thought Data was destroyed, right? Data's... Like the actual... Yes, data. actual Data d- was destroyed at the end of Star Trek uh, Ten. Ins- yeah, Insurrection. Uh, Nemesis. No. Nemesis. And then Data's memory file was turned off at the end of Picard season one. So in theory, that was the end of that, as far as we knew. And I always thought it was a bit of an ignominious end for Data. But apparently, after giving Picard another lease on life by creating, for some reason, a really old version of a golem, as opposed to just being like, hey, you're 20 again, uh, gave him... I gave himself another project. Uh, Alden Sung went back and tried to rebuild another golem that is human-like, like Picard. So basically a human outside of a, uh android inside. And not only did they load all of Data's previous information in there, where they got that from, I don't know. But they also added in B4, LOL, uh, what did they say? They listed them all off. Uh, oh, I have it down here. So Data, Lore, Before, Lol, and Sung himself. All in there. And the brother. Uh, wasn't that... The, that's Lore, isn't it? Well, the, huh? Which brother are you referring to? Whose brother? Well, the, the old guy that gave up the Picard body. Oh, is that Alden? Um, it, it, yeah, because I think he was saying that this, this Data, that this construct of Data is his body that he gave to Daystrom to put data into or whatever i don't know something like that. yeah i think the idea was that he made a second golem that he was going to put himself into and then decided instead to put in all this other stuff which is why it looked a lot like brent spiner does today yeah yeah that's very all convenient. very convenient for something they could have probably just made data look like data with cgi but that's all right uh what did you guys think of this really um unusual amalgam creature that is the new data it's interesting, yeah. Just I don't know. I don't. I, it, it's funny when you think you you think you know. Just when you think he's out, they drag him back in again. No, I mean, um, I, I was prepared to not have data anymore. Right? Like that's the whole um, convenience of this thing. Like you said, like it's you know, as fans, we you know, if you're if you're canon fans, you know that data isn't no longer data. Although he did back himself up, right? But as we know, whenever you back up and restore something, you all, not everything comes back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you forgot to you forgot to include the MP3 files because you figured you could just download them again from Apple, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know. Like, we'll have to see where it goes, where they go with it. Um, they they basically opened up a whole bunch of can of worms here. Um, you know, we thought Worf was gonna was gonna um, you know sacrifice himself last week, but you know he did a Chewbacca on us, right? Yep. And uh, so that did somebody died last. That leads me to, I guess, what I had as my question for this oh, episode. Ro died last year. Yeah, Ro died right. last week. I had for my big question for this episode is, we've got four episodes left. Is Data going to go for the hat trick? Is he going for the third death? <laughs> <laughs> what was the other time he died? He said that he said he died twice, Well, because right? he died at the end of Nemesis. His He sacrifices his body... Uh, and yeah. mind to oh, save Picard, and then he yeah. dies. Theoretically, his brain, what remains of him inside of the the information that was him that was stored by Alden Sung, 
uh, is turned off by Picard at the end of Picard season one. So that's his second death. Um, that was one of the quotes too, right? Rafi at one point says, I thought Data died twice. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You think, you think he's, he's in it to win it or you think this is just uh, Brent Spiner's way of having three glorious death scenes? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, like like South Park's Kenny at that point, right? If, oh like, my god! Oh my god! They killed him. You bastard! <laughs> yeah. Um, there was some fun quotes in this one. Uh, the monologue um, at the beginning of the episode by Vatic was was great. There will be rest. There will be a day of lifeless bodies burning in space. There will be silence again. Unity again. Peace again. But first, we will have vengeance. Oh, just delightful, Amanda Plummer. Very well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about the joking one. Uh, excellent use of the word burgle, Admiral, from Riker. That was funny. Uh, lots of quips in this one. Like, get the whole gang back together. It's hard not to have all the in-jokes and stuff uh, mixed in here. Um, when Worf is talking about how he's a pacifist now, Riker looks sort of almost looks at the camera and says, I don't understand the world anymore. I thought that was very... No, no. He, sa- he says, uh, I prefer pacifism. And Riker says, we're all going to die. As <laughs> yeah, they're beaming was, over. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and then Jordy, uh, in having the conversation with Picard, getting the debrief, he says, leave it to you to turn fatherhood into an intergalactic incident. Again, great lines. It's, it's, you know, it's fun to have the band back together. It really is. You know, it is hitting me in the nostalgia feels. And I get that's what they're going for. I get that it's playing on all that stuff, but it's working. It's working. It's the one great. thing I don't get to, though, is, is they're all mad at Picard. Like, you know, they, like Jordy has his moment where he's mad at Picard. And, yeah. you know, like, I thought everybody was like irreverent. He was like, everybody like looked up to him as, you know, the, the leader of the ship and, you know, nobody ever questioned his, his judgment, right? Now all we do is question his judgment, right? Yeah. Go back to your room, John Luke, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Go get the walker, John Luke, you know? Did uh, <laughs> did you guys have anything different for your big questions or, or uh, quotes? Had a few. Um, uh, maybe I missed a, a one-liner that, that said distinctly in... Um, you know, in canon, not necessarily through um, interviews or anything that are outside of the media. Like, who is the mother of Jordy's kiddos? Uh, a long rumor to be Leia Brahms, but I don't think confirmed <laughs> anywhere that I've seen in uh, in cinema. So, kind of kind of open there, and and arguably maybe that's why, given you know, in TNG and stuff, like Jordy was like a, a a loser in love, right? So maybe. Once he, you know, settled down and found somebody who was into him, he's like, I'm not risking any of this. No more running around, <laughs> going headfirst into anomalies and blowing stuff up. Like, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, tinker with these classic cars in this museum. Like, that's fun. You know? Yeah. Like, so okay. was he the Harry Kim of uh, TNG? Oof, that's mm. harsh. No one should ever mm. be accused of being a Harry Kim. <laughs> um, is he the Harry Kim? Well, I mean, Barkley's the Harry Kim, I suppose. but. I guess as a main character, I don't know who was the weakest main character. As a main character, I gotta think it was Deanna Troy. Oh, did you think Harry Kim was weak or just weak, he just was a loser? In weak love or, character, oh, yeah? weak oh, really? character, weak character. Okay. Due respect to Garrett Wong, not a great performance. I, he was he was the weak link on Voyager by a solid distance. Every year there was a rumor they were going to kill that character off, and every year they didn't. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe my you guys other... liked. Maybe you guys liked him more. I, I didn't know. Harry Kim was not my jam. No. A uh, couple other questions. I have one is uh, 
why didn't they cremate the body of Picard? Like, yeah, you know, Golem Picard is is hypothetically, you know, uh, consciousness transferred. So he's, you know, he's the real Picard just in a new body. Like, I would have probably and, and they have phasers that can do the cremation for you, right? Like we've seen that a few times in this <laughs> show. So it's not yeah. like, oh, there was no convenient way. And then I started wondering, is is it because he wanted to like taxidermy himself? <laughs> Like, you can get yourself taxidermied, right? You know, uh, but you you can't yeah. enjoy yourself in taxidermied form, and he's kind of unique <laughs> in that respect. Didn't he put him into an isolinear chip or something? You know, just <laughs> put like a handprint. <laughs> now he's like a pet, yeah. a begun pet. Like you put his own handprint into the clay or something. Um, so I don't know mm-hmm. what, what's going on there or why uh, this was was set up that way, but it, apparently it's somehow related to the the broader plot and then the other sort of uh, uh slightly funnier but yet still useful thing that i was thinking about for the the twist at the end or the the surprise at the end of like oh uh they've seemingly captured deanna troy and you're going to use her as um leverage over Riker, right so if you're concerned about changelings and you know that they can't presumably can't replicate the 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 betazoid uh, empathic and telepathic capabilities. What do you do here to prove it's like your wife? Do you start thinking like intensely kinky thoughts? And if she's not reacting <laughs> offended or into it, you're like, oh, you're not the real one then. Because yeah, it's like, oh, right. Come on, Will. That's only for your birthday. Like, exactly. So it's the real you. Okay. <laughs> now we know. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't put two and two together to come up with the fact that she's a changeling. But, I mean, or could be, right? She, she could be. I mean, she could be just given what's happening with the, the whole changeling thing and, and even, you know, cutting the finger and seeing if there's blood isn't sufficient. Like you got to do the, the deeper analysis like Dr. Crusher did. So but my mind went to, oh, well, she can't read your mind, but she can sense your feelings. So just think of something extreme that she would definitely know, but wouldn't necessarily show on your face. And see if she reacts, and if she doesn't, you're like, "You're not my wife." Yeah, it'll be. It's funny because we, we obviously we started talking about this episode with the fact that they got the whole gang back together, right? And but not really in that you know Riker and Troy are separated. And I guess they're saving that for you know the the inevitable conclusion where they finally are all standing in the same place at the same time. They they don't want to they don't want to pay that off too soon, right? Mm. Is that was the scene where they get their gold medals and stuff. <laughs> That's right. But not Chewbacca, because, you know, Wookiee racism. <laughs> yeah. Actually, a friend of mine posted on Facebook a, a picture from a comic book, which explains why Chewbacca didn't get his uh, medal. Don't think I haven't had that comic book for 35 years, my friend. <laughs> All right. sitting, sitting right here next to me. Yeah. But you never, you never posted it on Facebook. So I, well, clearly I'm, I'm didn't happen. neglecting my duties as the uh, evangelist of comic happen. books. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the Mandalorian? Oh, I suppose. Season three, episode four, the foundling, chapter twenty, the foundling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Meanwhile, back at uh, the cave where the Mandalorians hide, mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, just the whole opening scene of them, just like you know, doing their you know their combat training, but firing into the lake, like <laughs> you know, with weapons. There's like only like twenty of them left. Like, what are you doing? Like haphazardly firing weapons, right? Well, and ironically, uh, this is like. Th- Two episodes after we saw them like 
getting attacked by this giant monster that came out of the lake yeah. after them. <laughs> like, maybe don't shoot the water. Maybe leave the water alone. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, elevator pitch. Din and Bo go hunting. Grogu sparks a memory. And um, Jar Jar returns, sort of? <laughs> Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw the, I, I didn't recognize, but I saw the credits and I turned to my significant other and said, oh my God, do you know who that is? She didn't even know who the character was that I was describing. So I had to go on the internet and be like, this person, you don't remember this person? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so the actor came back or the... So, the... so in the scene where they're flashing back to Order 66 and Grogu is trying oh, to escape yeah. and he yes. ends up on the deck with the uh, handsome bald black uh jedi yeah. knight or jedi master not i mace, guess not not mace when when do yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah where they say get him to keller and keller and keller that's ahmed best who played jar jar binks oh really yeah. huh yeah i didn't catch that my i had a different i had a different easter egg but my my um my pitch for this one is there's always a bigger fish yeah well you aren't wrong i as, as soon as i saw that scene i'm like i could hear not not liam neeson i could hear your voice saying <laughs> yeah. there's always a bigger fish yep yeah let's go through the planet core let's go through the planet core why not <laughs> the planet core the planet core because <laughs> you know that's where the highway is right yeah that's right <laughs> Jaime, did you have a uh, anything for your elevator pitch mine was uh when the covert has one of its foundlings captured by a monster bo-katan must show them the way Ooh, hey, hey, you could write yeah. those things on, uh, on the little teasers on the show. That's good. like that. <laughs> yes, yes. Since you're the leader of the war party, you get to stay you by the You get to fire. stay by the The honor is yours. Ooh, uh... Yeah. Yeah. I was, I thought, you know, it's funny because as soon as they all said, you know, they, she says, how do you guys eat? Right? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, you just, you go find a corner where nobody's looking and you take your helmet off and you, and you eat your food, right? <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, okay. So they all get up and start walking away from the fire. That's the first thing I was thinking, like, why doesn't one of them just stay at the fire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a strange, I mean, like, obviously it's not uh, nice to, to slag anyone's religion, even if it is, uh, you know, yeah. a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But yeah, it's it's yeah. a strange it's a strange tenet of their beliefs that they have to uh, you know go hide in the corner in order to to have their dinner. So there was a scene too where Katie Sackoff kind of tilted her head back, and you could see the bottom of the of the helmet. Mm. It actually forms around the neck, mm -hmm. like it's flat on the bottom, right? Like it's not a bucket head. Like due respect to Buckethead, our favorite you know musician on <laughs> More Than Just Code, but. Yeah, I always thought it was just a bucket that they wore on their head, right? No, <laughs> like, we, we knew that it's sealed, right? Because uh, that's oh, okay. that's how they can go underwater and, and up in oh, higher okay, altitude right. and whatever, okay. right? Um, sure. Because, yeah, yeah she, I, they had to establish that. Because when she takes it off at one point in an earlier episode, you hear it sort of makes that dark, Darth Vader's helmet coming off hissing noise. So you know that right, it, like, okay. it, like uh, seals, seals yep, properly. Seal. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, hmm. Pew, pew, pew. I thought that Order 66... Grogu's escape scene was great. I had There's lots well. of good pew 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 in this. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's always good when when uh, you know um, Jedi's you know take out um, stormtroopers with by hitting them in the chest with their own shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like the part where where uh, Keller and Beck just kicks the one guy off the platform. I'm like, yeah, do more of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, wouldn't that be your first move if you're like on a, one of those platforms? They always show those ones on Coruscant where they're and like, you can force push. Where they're exactly, like way yeah. up in the air, and all these people are like getting off the thing. Wouldn't you just be like. 
Force push, force push, force push, force push, force push. Like a cat, like a cat. Yeah, exactly. just knock all of them off force the edge. You're like, well, that was quick, you know. Yep. Um, the best quotes didn't have a lot of great quotes. Uh, I thought the beginning scene where Din is trying to train Grogu uh, in how to actually be in combat was one of the weirdest scenes I think I've ever seen in Star Wars. The little, the little puppet. With the little needle, the little uh, the dart blaster on its wrist, flipping through the air and stuff. That was that was very weird. That was very weird. Grogu, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he does the the Yoda hop from that other movie with the yeah 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 sword. from uh, the Attack of the Clones or whatever. Where did he learn how to do that? I don't know. It comes to them instinctively. <laughs> That's I think. right. But uh, yeah. Anyway, the quote from that was was when Din is is telling him that he has to go and has this little little playtime combat. He says, "Playtime's over." But that was yeah okay. Right, because you know yeah. he's he's an infant, uh, and then the part at the end where Bo-Katan is is with the armorer, and she says, "What would you say if I said I saw one, a mythosaur?" And so we kind of wondered last week when she might break this news out, and mm-hmm. then she sort of you know says, "No, no, I really saw one." And the the armorer basically gaslights her, is like, "No, no, you must have a great, yeah, sure you did. It was, a, I'm sure it was a great mythosaur uh-huh. too, yeah, yeah, definitely." Uh, so my big question for this one was. How long are they going to draw out the whole Grogu secret origin? Because we've seen little snippets. This was the longest snippet that we've seen. But we're on season three and, you know, they've been giving us like a teaspoon at a time for four years now. Oh, you mean the fact that he's a Jedi and he was all in, well, in training just, and all that again, stuff? now we actually know how he got away from the temple, but we don't know what happened to... Uh, Keller and Beck. We don't know how he ended up on his own, or or so. Which one's Keller and Beck? Or is that the, two people? Or one person? No, no. That's that's the uh, the Jedi Master, the the bald. Oh, the Almond Best. Yeah, the Almond Best character. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So we don't. So I do have a I do have a question though. Yeah, yeah. I have a question yeah. about about the armor. Okay, so she's got Grogu in in the the blacksmithy area, right? And she's clearly making something for him. So were you thinking like I was thinking like how what are they going to do with his ears if she makes him a helmet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a really good a little plot resolution in there earlier in the episode when they're like, well, how come he doesn't have a helmet? And they say, right. well, he doesn't speak the language. He's too young to speak the words, so he can't take the vow. He can't take the vow. He can't wear the helmet, right? Yeah. I thought that right. was a great okay. way of being like, because he's cute and he sells action figures. Shh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You gotta have holes so his ears stick out the side. Yeah, the rondelle that she makes for him with like the big mythosaur, like or the it's yeah. not the mud, it's the mudhorn right on the front of there because it's uh, that's him and Din have the the mudhorn. I thought that was hilarious though when she's like making this thing and she's like this you will grow into and she like sticks this thing on him and you're just waiting for him to like fall forward like a you know like a turtle walking <laughs> like. <laughs> Maybe don't put more yeah. armor on the little, little child. Well, he's got the little mithril vest on, right? He does. You know? He does. He has his little Beskar yeah. chainmail thing on there. But now apparently he's carrying around under his Jedi cloak or his Padawan yeah. cloak. Uh, and, yeah. and in addition to this little body of armor, he's like, you know, I'm cooking under here. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, over- I liked him playing with the rocks too, right? That was pretty funny. Oh, with the crabs? Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that's going to be the new toy this year, right? The little walking rock? Yeah. Along with the uh, the foundling bird creatures that they have now adopted. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the like baby chicks when they they're gonna tame them and ride them like like dragons from like uh, Game of Thrones is what it feels like. True. There's almost three. <laughs> it was an interesting episode. I mean, you know, um, 
Yeah, bit, a bit of a bit of a surprise in terms of like it was interesting watching them fly around and try and you know I, 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 it's it's it all I thought that when they ran out of gas that was the best part because mm. you know the Mandalorians never seem to have any problems right yeah yeah so I found myself thinking about this episode particularly as I watched Picard today so Picard is a little further into its season not much this is the halfway point of the Mandalorian season. And mm-hmm. we've just passed the halfway point of the Picard season. And so as I was reflecting on it, it occurred to me, uh, Picard is better than the Mandalorian right now. I look forward yep. to Picard mm-hmm. more than I look forward to the Mandalorian. True. Which is surprising me a little bit. Like, I, I thought Picard would be like a fun trip down memory lane, East, you know, Easter eggs and, and, you know, in jokes and stuff like that. But I'm enjoying it in yeah. a way that I, it's just it's a really enjoyable experience mandalorian is just we're halfway through the season and nothing's happened like it's it's really as much as i I love being in the world i love the characters uh grogu's adorable but like nothing's happened like this is just the most meandering slow-paced you know I, i don't understand like I really look forward to the Mandalorian as, as like an event. It's really taking me places and it's, it's doing stuff. And it's a, you know, this has been really slow. Uh, I, well, I can tell I you like, know. like in terms of, in terms of wasting our times, right? Like, yeah. Okay. So, um, Bogotan gets in her, gets in her starfighter and goes after the dragon guy, right? Flies for like three hours yeah. to find out where the nest is. Then flies three hours back to tell them where the nest is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not just, you know, blast the stupid thing when it drops the kid in the nest, right? Like, yeah. Do you, do you think the Mandalorian kid was in that thing's mouth the whole time? Or how do you think that played out? <laughs> I don't know. And how come he wasn't like a little dissolved? I thought they they would masticate him and then feed him to the kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Again, I, I'm not saying I, I'm disliking the Mandalorian. I'm just, I feel like right now, when I think about what I've got my week ahead of me, I look forward to that show. The, to Picard more so. Uh, I'm enjoying it more so. It's a more, more stuff is happening. It's moving fast. There's, you know, it's just kind of doing stuff that the Mandalorian isn't doing right now. And, and that's, you know, it's, I guess it's a credit to Picard and a bit of a knock on, on Mandalorian so far, but hopefully yep. they'll stick the landing. I did see a couple pieces and I was hoping to maybe chat about this with you. So in the episode previous, when they, the fighters show up and they bomb, uh, they bomb Bo-Katan's place and like a ton of, of star fighters yeah. show up and uh, the TIE interceptors show up and they, they drop the bombs and they come after them. And she says, that's an awful lot of ships for, you know, some random Imperial warlord or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen people speculating that, that maybe that means that's Thrawn whose name we heard the last season, right? With the Ahsoka episode that, that Thrawn who's like the big bad of star Wars rebels that maybe this yep. is like a prelude to to Thrawn showing up, showing up. Do you guys think that that makes sense? Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, it just like there, there's no reason why, unless there was like a whole whack of Bo-Katan's people in that thing, and they just took them all out. Because that was a lot of firepower to take out that one to try and just get her. Yeah. Over, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And then you think about like who has sort of those, you know, who has an agenda that might involve, you know, taking out Bo-Katan and or other Mandalorians, you think like, yeah, like, I guess it makes sense that it could be Thrawn. I wonder if they're gonna, I wonder if we might see him this season. That'd be really cool. Like, I, I thought he was an amazing character in the comic books, you know, 25 years ago. I think what they did with him in Rebels 
was amazing. He made him into this such a cerebral and calculating uh, monster. And the idea of getting him in live action finally, I'm I'm so excited for it. Like obviously, I think that's coming at some point because they wouldn't have dropped his name in that Ahsoka episode if he wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it, yeah, it didn't really occur to me until I saw a couple things on on some of the on Reddit and stuff like that. People saying, well, you know, maybe this is what this means. I was like, that's actually really interesting. That maybe we could actually that's get Thrawn. Like that would definitely redeem this season for me if they could pull out that card well, at some I mean, point. We're also coming off of we're also coming off of Andor, which is a really superior show to this too, right? So yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the difference between you know uh, you know a high end steak dinner and like a really well made burger. Like the yeah. burgers are amazing yeah. and they're delicious and I love them, but I mean, Andor was steak. You know, this this was always just really good burgers. It's it's it it nothing they could do. I don't think at this point is going to make me think that this is not just really good burgers. Right. But one Easter egg for this one was this was directed by Carl Weathers. Yeah, I saw that. Go Carl. Hmm. Go. Cool. He's Apollo Creed, right? He's the original Apollo Creed. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. My my one question was, what is the significance of seeing a live mythosaur? Because this episode in in Bo-Katan sort of learning um, how the creed for uh, this particular sect of the Mandalorians is different. It's like she she stepped into somebody else's house of worship and doesn't really know exactly how they do things, although she gets the general gist of things. The, the mythosaur thing gets sort of stepped over or stepped past or possibly ignored uh, seemingly on purpose by the armorer. So I'm unclear if they've said anything or if we know anything from the lore of like what is the the significance of seeing a live one like we know that you if you uh you know win and have the dark saber then like all right you're like you know king queen of the mandalorians like what 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 is the you know is it is it like a doomsday prophecy if you see a live one like they're not supposed to be alive anymore it's the end of times or uh, that that seems like it's significant given how long they've they sort of let it linger yeah. I think you're redeemed by, by bathing in mythosaur urine. <laughs> <laughs> in the um in the book of Boba Fett, at one point, they make a point of saying that the return of the mythosaur is supposed to herald a herald a new age in for the Mandalorians. So that's sort of the 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 line that is supposed to be what this is theoretically going to pay off is that when the mythosaur returns, it will reunite the, the Mandalorians, and then they'll be uh, resurgent again. So, uh, it, I think the line was, foretells the mythosaur rising up to herald a new age of the Mandalorian culture. So, I guess that's what she is thinking of, and certainly what Din would be thinking of if he knew this existed. And again, it, I guess it ties back into that thing from the first season where Quill says, when he's trying to get him to ride the Blarg, Blarg, Blarg? Those those little two legged suckers. Uh, Quill says to him, "You know your your people are legendarily supposed to have ridden mythosaurs. How is it you can't ride a blurg?" So again, at some point, somebody is going to be riding one of those beasties, uh, right? Like we saw in uh, Book of Boba Fett with the Rancor, right? Yeah, and where are we in the timeline? This is before A New Hope. Uh, no, no, this is after. This is after the oh, fall after, of the Empire. Okay. So, so this is supposed to be. I was just I shouldn't try to figure out when when um, Boba Fett um, captures Han Solo like that's before yeah so so, so Star Wars calculates itself by 
the uh, ABY, after the Battle of Yavin, right? So that's where the first Death Star is destroyed. So things happen before that or they happen after that. And in this okay. case, uh, this show is set starting at 9 ABY. But we talked about it a couple episodes back. John Favreau has said that, you know, some of these events have happened over the course of years. So we could be at like 15 or 16 after uh, the Battle of the Oven, clo- getting closer to, uh, I guess, the era from the uh, Force Awakens. God save us all. Right. Hey, speaking of Star Wars. Yes. How- Was there something else we should talk Maybe about? Maybe one more thing. Bad Batch. Yeah. Bad Batch, Tipping Point, Season 2, Episode 14. So this is the last solo episode of the season. Next week, we're getting a two-part season finale. Right. Right. The gang's all back again, too. Well, Almost. it's similar in the, similar to the way they were in Picard. Everybody's on screen, just not at the same time. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my elevator pitch was, Crosshair's in trouble. Cue the rescue music. Yeah. Yeah. Cody's not back, though. No, true. True. I tried to get cute, and I couldn't. I couldn't stick the landing. <laughs> what I literally wrote down here from my notes is, uh, "Echoes are stirring in the crosshairs." Is the closest <laughs> I could get. Okay, that was yeah. You know, I get what you're going for. Right. This one starts with a pretty good pew 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 scene, which is the uh, the clone troopers, including Cody and um, or not Cody Rex and Echo and Gregor. And uh, a couple of other ones who we just meet for the first time are all basically raiding this prison ship or the ship that's basically transporting clone prisoners. And uh, they they save Captain Hauser and two other troops, apparently they're the last survivors of their group. Uh, but they have that cool, uh, the leech vessel. So like one, the main vessel sort of goes up to the main door and this leech vessel basically carves a hole in the top of the ship so that they can basically do a pincer move. They basically are attacking from two sides at the same time. And you know, it actually went loaded onto a, a dock, like a loading dock, they said. Oh, did this, the leech thing did? Yeah, the, the piece that broke off and, and landed and connected itself to the ship. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, I, it I thought for some reason that it like, made a hole in the roof or something. No, they made it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was waiting for the lasers to come around or whatever. But no, it was, they, they mentioned that they they connected to a dock. and. Mm. Yeah, but that was a good so that was could, a good pew pew scene, and then I like when they finally corner they you know they they kill off all the stormtroopers and they get to the bridge and the imperial officer ends up uh, the the weird like electro cyanide when when they're caught yeah. was pretty yeah that's pretty extreme it's pretty extreme if you punch them hard enough in the face did there does that happen to them <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe you have to take note of that true yeah um, did you have any different pew pew pews. Hi, May, were you were you way into uh, Omega's flying lessons? <laughs> when she does the uh, the tech turn, the that, tech uh, turn, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I guess you, and everybody's waving at her. She flies by. She buzzes them. Yeah, yeah. You know, this this week's uh, Star Wars episodes had a theme of like learn them young. I guess so. You got to got to learn to yeah. pew pew pew. You got to learn to yeah. to drive. Yeah, yeah, and of course that's that's got to have a payoff down the road, right? Like. Now that she learned to fly the ship, we, we're going to see her fly the ship, right? Oh, right. Yeah. 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 And she seems to be a natural at it in her own way, right? Yeah. 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 I, I liked her line where she said, uh, you know, hey, that was a pretty good one. The the warning, proximity warnings didn't go, even go off in Texas. They didn't go off because you, you basically blew them out last time. You fried them in. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the only Easter egg I saw that uh, that caught my eye was just the the same interrogation droid that we see uh, yeah. from, you know, of course, Princess Leia in, in uh, A New Hope, which is you know, it, it's just so funny. It's such a strange looking. Like I get why it looked like that in 1977, and I get why they're carrying it forward just for consistency's sake. But it's such a weird yeah. looking little device with like people don't like needles. This yeah, gigantic exactly. needle on this little robot that that as as it gets closer to you makes really irritating noises. Like that is um, yeah. that's a very unusual thing. Yeah, that's the menacing, yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, it, it starts off with a low sort of pulse, and then as it gets closer to you, the pulse speeds up. Yeah. That's very scary. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, hey, listen, I'm fine with the needle, could you turn the sound off? This thing's annoying. <laughs> Crosser seems to be able to take, taking quite a bit of abuse, too, right? Yeah, he's a champ, he's a champ. He, he went right at it this time, got got the first dose and still managed to take out a bunch of troops and almost uh, yeah. get, a, get a fair and didn't distance. he shoot that that girl with the glasses? I guess he just stunned he her. Turned it, she you could back. hear him yeah. change the setting to stun before he oh, shoots did he? her. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's a pal, right? Uh, I don't know what his motivation was. Do we don't shoot women well, in the she face? Was ta- she, she does, like, she they de- debriefing and get, you know, fixed. She was in another episode before. Mm-hmm. Right? With her and, and Cody, I think, where they were, she was prepping them for their next excursion. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're used used soldiers, right? Yeah. Um, didn't have some, didn't have a lot of great quotes, but I liked Hunter's line where they're talking about the fact they've got this sort of new home and they haven't gone back to Ormantel to see Sid. And he says, for soldiers, mm-hmm. putting down roots is an occupational hazard, um, right. which I believe the mayor follows up with, is that what you are, a soldier? Which I thought was really interesting. Um and then, yeah, the the just the the line I, I wrote it down just because I thought it was interesting. Plan eighty eight, uh, the seeker. We are being targeted. That's what Tech says. The message from Crosshair uh, that he sends out when he's free, briefly. Um, so I imagine next week we'll be seeing Plan eighty eight, whatever that is. So that leads to the big question, which is: uh, Do we think that Clone Force ninety nine in its entirety makes it out to get Crosshair back? Because I have a bold prediction. <laughs> really, I do. I've been known from time to time to not sit on the fence, but actually take a position. And here we go. I think they get crosshair back, but I think they lose uh, Omega. I don't think she dies. I think they, she ends up with the bad guys. Hmm. Oh, captured to set up season yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I think I think crosshair rejoins them, but they then it's the batch back together, and they don't have the kid anymore. But then the next season is about getting the kid back. That's how I would write it. <laughs> okay. I can well, see, could see but my my big sure. question related in the same direction is, you know, is Crosshair redeemed? Uh, you know, is, is he brought full arc back from where he was just the, uh, you know, sort of rabble rousing second in command to being an antagonist yeah. villain and now back as uh, a changed person, but sees that life is a little bit more complicated than soldiers follow orders with his sort yeah. of guiding philosophy before. All right, well, let's move on to our watch list. Um, yeah, so I'm up first, I guess. Uh, I just I stumbled across this the other day, uh, and I watched a good uh, chunk of it. Not the whole way through, but it's the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yay! <laughs> 60 frames per second. Super clear. So, yeah, in all of its glory. So not like the... Uh, I think we have a VHS copy of it, don't we? I, I do have a VHS okay. copy. It uh, Yeah, it's out there. I have a digital yeah, copy, so too. Don't don't ask where that oh, one came okay. from. But. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, this this is a sixty frame per second on on the YouTube. So, like I said, I haven't gone all the way through it, but yeah, it uh, looked pretty clear. Hmm. Is it um, still terrible? 
Well, you know what? The clarity, clarity makes it less terrible. No, come on. <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't got all the way through it. I mean, I got to the point where, you know, they have to get Chewbacca back to his family for whatever. Life day. What is it? Day? Life day. Life day, yes. Yeah, so, so and, and you get to see the the wife and the and the son speak. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of whiny yeah. grinding in this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then speaking of updates, this is just an update to my pick from a couple of weeks ago, a couple last month, like last month or whatever. This is everything that is everything everywhere that's on Apple TV Plus. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you can rattle off all the shows that maybe you haven't seen or you should see or whatever. But all the new things are coming out. You know, um, there's a, uh, our our man from IT crowd. You know, a big door prize coming up. Tetris movies coming. I think called Monster Factory. I don't know what that is. I think something called Extrapolations, which like a bunch of short stories. And then, of course, Ted Lasso and all the rest of the stuff. So if you're wondering what is on Apple TV Plus these days, there's quite a few things. Hmm. You know, it's not like, not like you know, Netflix where they wouldn't be able to have it on a single web page or um, Paramount Plus, but still, or Disney even, right? So, but but it does show that there's quite a few things. Um and then a laugh a minute. Uh, it, this is actually pretty funny. I, I you've probably seen this before, Jonathan, because it's pretty old, right? But uh, William Sha- or Will Wheaton talking about the um, time he first met William Shatner, yeah. in- including the his friends doing a musical accompaniment. <laughs> so every time, every time they he says William Shatner, um, they start playing the the original series theme on guitar and and uh, like flugelhorn, I think it's called, where it's like a keyboard you blow into. And it's it's actually quite funny, um, but uh, I think the long long story short is that you know Shatner you know disses him when he first meets him, and then the entire crew gets behind, like the entire crew of the Next Generation gets behind him and and supports him, and uh, finally uh, you know he even gets Gene Roddenberry finds out that he was he was speaking to William Shatner, and the long the TLDR is that Shatner sends Will Wheaton a card at the end saying you're a great you know actor you're you know promising and you can be on my bridge anytime, you know, kind of mm. thing. And, and it's like, you know, that, that it, Gene Roddenberry went out of his way to get William Shatner to, you know, pony up and apologize to Will Wheaton. Not, not in any sort of sense, but it's called William effing Shatner. I'm bleeping out the middle part. But yeah, definitely, definitely it's a good laugh. And, it, you know, William Wheaton's a good, good storyteller, as we all know, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I stumbled across that. Network I wasn't supposed to be knowing about the one from Vietnam, and I watched <laughs> Megan. And uh, I gotta say, it's a good rental. It's it's it, you know it's very very um, you know formulaic in terms of horror stories go, but uh, it's a good it's a good laugh. I mean, uh, it it does have its moments, but it's based on like all the sort of things you could think could go wrong with an AI uh, in this day and age. You know, you know, there's like the house is wired up, the kids wired up. Um, you know, there's a, there's a nasty neighbor who gets her comeuppance. There's, you know, there's a nasty neighbor dog that gets comeuppance. Uh, the, I think the, out of the possible, I think it was like nine people that could possibly, so it was like four out of nine get their comeuppance. Let's put it that way. So yeah, it was a really interesting story. So yeah, definitely, definitely. I, you know, I, you know, three and a half stars, let's say, right. Mm -hmm. And I'll pass over to Jaime for... His laugh of the week. Yeah, uh, it feels like this comes up kind of a a lot as a, a vaguely related topic. But the uh, sort of 
questionable parentage that can happen in sci-fi, like like Starship Picard and and uh, taxidermy in your own body, reminded <laughs> me of this mm-hmm. "I'm My Own Grandpa" song that is uh, nicely illustrated in this uh, this YouTube version. So, uh, despite it being a pretty funny song to listen to that I've heard before, this illustration actually really helps you figure out how the whole you know becoming your own grandpa without any timey wimeyness is uh, is possible. Who's, who is this? Is this the uh, the fry from um, what was that show called? Uh, Futurama. You know, the Futurama. Futurama. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's or, uh, unlike that one where the the nasty and the pasty, as Fry says, occurs. Uh, <laughs> this one, yeah. this one doesn't require uh, timey wimey shenanigans. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's it's a fun one, and they they build up the the family family tree, family loop. I don't know what to call this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Jonathan. Yeah, I've got a couple things. So uh, last weekend we watched the movie Amsterdam, uh, which is John David Washington and um, Margot Robbie and uh, Christopher, uh, sorry, Christian Bale. And um, it is not going to get a strong recommendation from me in spite of the fact that it has a, it, the cast is loaded. It looks great. The performances are, are perfectly fine. The, it's the plot is just it kind of goes all over the place like they could have probably cut 20 minutes and six plot divergences out of it and made a much better movie it's basically about this trio who are investigating a crime in the 1920s and that involves you know not sort of fascists in america and um it's sort of part comedy part uh you know crime noir it's uh it's a little all over the place but um it would not be the top of my recommendations list but i will say that uh if you are a fan of those three actors they do each get a moment to uh to shine and if you uh yeah especially if you like i like christian bale playing funny i think he's a really underrated funny actor and he's really funny in this really funny well i saw that one back in december and and um i gave it four stars you're right i'd forgotten that i'd seen it that's how good it was Mm. but um but but now that you remind me, yes, he's a, a World War veteran. Yeah, World War One vet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's quite good. I'm down to the last few episodes to catch up to the end of Euphoria. Now it's a series that I had been had on my want to watch list for a while. Again, not strictly speaking, a show in our area of sort of sci-fi fantasy. Although if you watch it, the way that it's filmed, it's sort of it, the way that it breaks the fourth wall. The way that it has this omniscient narrator, the way that some of the scenes are sort of hyper-fantasized, it kind of treads the line a little bit. Um, it's it's a really weird show. I thank my lucky stars that that is not the life that my teenagers live, with sex, drugs, and, and craziness. But uh, but it's a really, really compelling. I, I now understand why people raved about uh, Zendaya's performance and, and uh, Sydney Sweeney and some of the other breakouts from this show so i'm I'm looking forward to the is that on crave it's on crave yeah it's an hbo show um yeah i'm i'm curious to see how this second season wraps up there's only 18 episodes all in they did two eight episode seasons and then two little bridge episodes in between them but um yeah it's it's really it's it's (laughs) it's hypersexual it's hyperviolent it's it's hyper everything (laughs) you can do in a in a show based around ostensibly high school kids but uh but it's really it's it's well done sam levinson it's good it's good stuff um for my going to watch list i was actually just uh just 
as you were saying, Tim, you can find the list of everything that's on everywhere. And uh, I noticed that two new movies have popped up onto Amazon Prime this week here in Canada. Uh, 3,000 Years of Longing was something I wanted to see, but I figured I'd wait till it popped up on one of these services for which we already have subscription. That is uh, Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. It's sort of the, uh, he's a genie, she gets three wishes. Uh, I remember watching the trailer last year and thinking this looked interesting, so I might check that out this weekend. And the other one that popped up there is Bullet Train, the Brad Pitt. Uh, they're, you know, fighting on the, the bullet train. Have you Japan. seen it yet? I have not seen it yet. That's that's. Uh, yeah, I saw it last year on IMAX in the summer. It's really good. It's it, it's a, it's kind of like everything everywhere all at once, too. It's kind of like all over the place. Yeah. But I definitely I would watch it again, for sure. Now it's available on Amazon Prime here in Canada, and I assume elsewhere mm. as well. Yeah, I think that one just came up, right? like you said. Yeah, right? I think both of those just dropped within this last week. And I think that was, there was, I think there were two movies filmed at the same time during the pandemic, Bullet Train and another one where Brad Pitt and another actor, actress, uh, I think, oh, isn't Sandra Bullock in this one? Or is that the spoiler? Sorry, I think I spoiled it. I was going to say, I don't know, Tim, I'll tell you next week. <laughs> Try and erase, forget, I'll just, I'll just cut this out of the episode so you won't hear it. <laughs> okay, well, that that's fine then. <laughs> Yeah, but don't leave that in there for uh, for JPK Jr. because he'll freak out. He spoiled that kind of oh, stuff. Man. <laughs> He's very serious yeah, about no, his spoilers. Sorry. No, it was because well, see, I knew going <laughs> in that there were, that the two of them had crossed over each other's movies, right? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know how you know how Mary Tyler Moore is the 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 voice on the Man from Uncle. No, in the original TV show, original TV series. No. I don't remember. She's kind of like she kind of plays like a Charlie, you know, Charlie's Angels. Oh, okay, yeah. She gives instructions to um, Napoleon and and uh, the other guy. I've forgotten his name now, um, but um, you never see her on on you never see her face. And speaking of a similar role, like did you know there's there? You know, I don't know if you guys have been watching Young Sheldon at all, but there's a scene this year where um, or see this season. This is spoilers for those of you living dialing in at home or transporting at home, but. Um, I, I got to go back and watch it again because there's a scene where um, Sheldon has to go has to do like a required swimming thing in in his university, and uh, he has a dream about swimming, and there's a, a female voice that in, entices him to come and jump into the pool, and it's and it's uh, Katie Kowalko. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's and so her that she her Easter egg performance on, on I think it's uncredited too, but yeah, hmm. most people miss it. Anyway, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, people will get in touch with you wherever they find you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News or on YouTube at YouTube.com slash at JPK. And Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, wherever they find you. I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. Right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine and the Mastodon machine and the YouTube machine and all the machines. That's where you'll find me. So until next time. See you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
Yes, sir, me, Bob. Have you guys seen the, the trailer for the new Tetris movie? Yes. Yeah, it's coming out in the end of the month, right? Yeah, the one that's based on the comic book. That's uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, it looks good. Yeah, weren't you here? We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was us. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was uh, was it Jaime or me that brought it up? I can't remember. I actually don't remember whose whose pick it was, but I think I think we tied it uh, in podcast to uh, yet another video game movie, but not how you think. It's probably Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was Jaime that brought it up. Yeah. Let's do let's do a fact check on the fact check. <laughs> Tetris. Oh, it's only list. Oh yeah, no, it was listed. Oh yeah, I brought it up on episode. Wait for it. Episode one. Oh, there you Season go. Six episode one. In weeks. Weeks. In weeks. Yeah, that's coming out on Apple Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. Cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't rattle off some of the shows on there, but uh, I was actually just looking today to see what what shows I started watching, but it hadn't finished on Apple TV Plus. Quite a few of them. I just, I think I'm on season two of C. So good. And I'm on episode three of uh, what's that uh, bad you know sci-fi show that we used to like, The Orville. Dorval. Dorval. Oh, are you actually Dorval. gonna sit down and watch Orville season? No, whatever? no, no. It's 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 in it's in the pile of things I haven't erased yet. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I watched the first couple and was like, mm, this is not for me. Not that it ever was. I watched a bit of the Re- Reluctant Traveler with Eugene Levy. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, that one's definitely crossed my radar, but I. No, feel like oh, and hell of tomorrow. I think I got one more episode to go on that. Is that good? That was the one where you weren't feeling well, and Jaime and I read your read your uh, pick out, and we thought it looked really good. Well, like you said on the show, it's Billy Crudup and uh, a good cast. I mean, Hank Azara. It's sort of yeah, it's retro sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Like like the tech. Some of the tech is from the future, but it's about these guys who sell timeshares on the moon and. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much all I can say without spoiling it. But yeah, and it, it's they're kind of like Tin Men. They're they're they're. It's all about getting the sales, mm. right? So inter- interesting um, sort of mix of. I mean, like the 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 sets are really amazing, and the clothing's really amazing because it's all retro stuff. And and um, Allison Pill is that her name? Yep, yep. She's she's in there too as as uh, one of the customers who sort of sorts out what's really going on, kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, the servant. I still got. I'm still stuck on. Yeah, season three of The Servant. I watched that one. Watching that one. Cold, Slow Horses, which I talked about before. Echo Three. I started watching. Haven't really got back into it. Mythic Quest. I still. I'm still stuck on finishing that season. I watched Mosquito Coast. That's and it's a retelling of the Mosquito Mosquito Coast uh, Harrison Ford movie. Mm. Sort of a more, sort of a more modern take on it. It's a good one. And then Shantaranam with Charlie Hunnam. And the problem with John Stewart. Or sorry, the problem with John Stewart. <laughs> I love that title. It's such a good title. Yeah, right? Good. That, I've watched a few of those. I like that show, but I find that it uh, it usually just makes me angry. Yeah, because John is almost always right, and he's very good at creating a reason why you should be mad about things. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad he's I back. I love John Stewart. I think he's so very talented. I, I missed him off the Daily Show. So I'm glad he's got something else going on. Yeah, Blackbird is a TV show with. Um, Taron Egerton and um, uh, that's another one though. I think one of the actors was nominated for an Emmy. Yeah, loot with my Rudolph. Get into that one for all mankind. Now really getting to the dregs. I'm getting roped into stuff that's that's frustrating. Like the whole family wants to watch Ted Lasso as as a group, so I'm like, I haven't watched any of the new season yet, and I'm like, 
frustrating. And then, uh, same thing. I think we were watching, uh, what were we watching? We were watching something else that three of us, uh, Xavier and, and my wife and I were watching. And it's just like, I, have you guys watched severance yet? No, that's coming back season two soon. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the first one of that. We finished up, um, with the fourth and final season that just finished up. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? I, I, it kind of got a little exorcisty kind of on me. It's a weird series because it's probably on the whole more like a very dark comedy. Uh, yeah. It, it starts out a little bit, you know, spookier, poltergeisty, exorcisty in, in the first season, but the second, third, and fourth seasons feel a little bit more like like very morose, very dark comedy. It's got some light elements. Well, the deeper to it. I get into it, the, the less I like the characters. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as people, as humans, yeah. Find them. I wouldn't want to hang out with them. Let's put it that way. Raymond and Ray was a good movie. That's you and McGregor and Ethan Hawke. They play brothers. This is this is. I'm still going through what's on um, Apple TV. Grueling, grueling, grueling. It's a good documentary on Velvet Underground. Coda was a good movie. You guys, you guys should watch that one. As a family, Jonathan, you should watch that one. Uh, Charity, Sherry already watched it and loved it. I had it on my uh, long list for a while. Cherry, with Cherry was good with Tom Holland. And Palmer was almost the same thing with Justin Timberlake. That's Hollywood. Have a good, have a good idea. We'll recycle. Mm-hmm. Beastie Boys show it story was good. Yeah, I saw there's a new Wu Tang show on uh, Disney Plus too. Yeah, the boy, the mole, and the fox and the horse. That's uh, that was nominated for Academy Award. That's the the animated one. Yeah, where's that on? Uh, Apple TV Plus. Oh, yeah, definitely check that out. That looks interesting. There's a couple of Mariah Carey Christmas specials you guys want oh, wow. there as well. Golly. And some Snoopy stuff. I like Snoopy. Harriet, by which I never read when I was a kid. But oh, Shrinking is good. That's the one with Harrison Ford and uh, Jason. What's his name? Um, Jason Siegel, Yeah. Yeah. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I'm. I'm. That. That one. I'm a little conflicted about because I really love Jason Siegel. I think he's great. But I have not enjoyed a lot of Harrison Ford the last ten, fifteen years. You know what? He he, he plays a completely different character in this. It's, it's not even the character. It's he. He mumbles. He's just. He's barely articulate anymore i don't know no he's he doesn't mumble in this one yeah like, maybe it's just like the, the roles that he's i've seen him play but yeah. and you're just like dude what are you, like what's happening <laughs> are you bob dylan what's happening yeah yeah he plays a curmudgeon in this one but uh, a good curmudgeon i would imagine that you won't have to find a lot of range in his day-to-day life to get curmudgeon yeah <laughs> um march 31st is when tetris comes out by the way nice that's next week, next yeah. Friday. Excellent. Yeah. Did you all uh, listen to the new episode of the uh, Canadian Health Information Podcast that came out this morning? Is just a banger. You guys were on the news today. A banger. What's that? You guys were on the news today. Of course we were. We had a big story today. Yeah. We, what was it? Uh, that Canada is currently not nine hundred and thirty thousand surgeries behind, thanks to the pandemic oh, and yes. the policies they put in place. So there, the waiting list for surgeries is nine hundred and thirty thousand people on it. Which for a country of 38 million... 930,000, so I'm not, I'm not getting my new knee anytime soon, is what you're saying? Uh, well, the problem is, and again, we, we actually got into it pretty good on the podcast we talked about with the... We had the head of surgery from Women's College on, and he was saying the problem is, is the way the system is set up, that basically he's like, I'm a surgeon, I get a stack of, you know, uh, requests on my desk, and then basically one by one I go through them, but... If I'm busy or if the OR is busy, like the wait list can just pile up and pile up and pile up. He's like, what we need to do is we don't need to go to a privatized system. What we need to do is go to a system where I work as part of a surgical team. 
all of them come in through one spot and whoever's free and whatever OR is free, whenever it's free, we just get the surgeries done. But that's not the way the systems are set up. So yeah, anyways, good, good conversation. Smart guy. Yeah, it was, and we did the one in French. We asked the guy, the host of our French podcast, asked him, could you use one word to describe the situation for Canada's uh, surgical wait list? And he said, it is catastrophic. I'm like, well, that's a good word. Thank you, sir. Mm. Sounds even better in French. Catastrophe. Like, okay, thank you. Catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep, sounds pretty oh, good. By the way, the last movie I saw was The Boston Strangler, which is the new... Oh, uh, yeah, I want to watch I that. It's on, on Disney? Disney Plus here, right? So, but I, I watched the Tony Curtis Boston Strangler back in, like, the 70s, right? And I always, it, I'm not going to say anything more, but I always thought that that was the way it went down. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Not true? Well, that's told from the from the point of view of the police. This is told from the point of view of the reporters that broke the story. Mm. Yeah, well, that tends to be a little closer, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's a very, very interesting, and, and it's funny that, you know, because I... I, uh, somebody, somebody said a review of saying this movie was a, a poor copy of the Zodiac killer, right? The, but the if movie? you know, yeah, but if you know the history, right, the Boston Strangler happened in the sixties, the Zodiac killer happened in the eighties. So, I mean, like, how could one be a copy of the other? Yeah. I think you got, the guy got his signals crossed. Yeah. Have you seen the, is it, uh, it's David Fincher, right? The Zodiac movie? Like it's just uh, called Zodiac. In, yes. Jake Gyllenhaal yeah, with, with, and uh, yeah, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And, I, that's a great my, movie. Oh yeah, like I love that movie. It's yeah. Dark, yeah. I, I, dark. I don't know. I just I don't know what it is about serial killers, but I like you know. Yeah, I mean they make for great subjects. I think all of us are fascinated with the idea of somebody who can be so like calculating and meticulous when it comes to taking someone else's life or lives. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that one definitely. Uh, I, just the way that it's filmed, where you know, like the way that it interlays, and you're not sure, sort of you know who's who and what's what it's uh it's a really it's a good slow yeah, burn and i don't think it's been solved yet right it has they basically the person that they they thought it was he died oh, was beforehand the but they they are like 99 percent sure that that was the, the person well in the case of boston strangler they've only been able to connect one death by dna mm, yeah yep so, so it wasn't tony curtis well <laughs> that's good otherwise we'd have to take his daughter's oscar back that's true but that actually, it's funny because Tony Curtis, any time I ever saw him in, in movies, he was always a funny guy. Like, he was a comedian, right? Well, yeah. It's something like it high. He's amazing. Yeah. But I mean, you know, but he was like a heartthrob too, right? But but yeah, it was completely out of character for him to play the role of the strangler, right? Yeah. Sometimes playing And against, of course it was told in it. Huh? Sometimes playing against type works. Yeah. But it was sort of uh, told from like the 60s perspective. So it's very, you know, watered down mm. in terms of, you know. Any pew 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 and all that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed Bullet Train. It'll interesting to see what you think about it. Yeah, yeah, I like a lot of the cast in it. Yeah. We finally watched. Uh, that was the other one I should have mentioned. Uh, Xavier and I finally watched Tenet last week. Uh, hmm. We've been sitting on that. You haven't one. seen it before? No, we've been sitting on it for ages. I, I think I got the blue. Didn't you go see it in the theater with me? No, because remember it was like during the height of the pandemic that that came out. Oh, I went and saw it. I went by myself, I guess. Yeah, so I had gotten that same year. I think somebody gave me the 4K for Christmas. It's been sitting on my shelf for like almost two years. So I said, uh, we had some time last week, and I was like, we ha- you know, you have your choice. We can watch like this, this, or this. It was like three movies we'd never seen and been putting off, and so we decided to sit and watch Tenet. It's funny, people complained about that one, saying that they felt like it was 
hard, I thought it was hard great. to follow or, or I thought it was really interesting. Like I thought it was, you know, like just put it in reverse and watch it again. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not memento, but it's yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite Nolan movie, but it's, it's good. It's really good. It's pretty good. Yeah. The, the blonde femme fatale in there is, is uh, the woman who plays um, Diana in the crown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The tall one. Yeah. 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 She's good. Did you get your money back from the cure? Uh, I don't know. I have to check. You got twenty bucks back. Twenty bucks? Oh, is the service fees? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I sent I sent Robert Smith a tweet saying, "Hey, thanks for the money. I didn't really need it, but you know, I'd rather give it to charity or something. But you know, thanks for thanks for chasing those bastards down." <laughs> what? What? I... Do you know the story about this, Jaime? I'm not familiar with the story you're talking about. So the Cure is a band from the '80s, I guess. Well, '70s. Right? They started in the '70s. '70s, '80s. Yeah. yeah. But they're they're pretty popular, and they haven't they haven't played in North America for I don't know five years or something oh, like that. Oh, longer than that, like eight or nine. Yeah, so it's been a long time, and and so they're coming back. I'm surprised there's been such small venues, right? But only in Toronto. But anyway, they went. Sorry, only in Toronto, and they're playing Madison Square Garden in in New York. They're playing like stadiums everywhere else in Toronto. They're playing yeah, they, this little rinky dink, little fifteen thousand. Yeah, exactly. they could have sold it's up ridiculous. this freaking Sky Dome. Like it's ridiculous. Anyways, yeah, they could have definitely. Yeah. Anyway. Um, probably maybe a lot another show. Who knows? But um, they 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 told Ticketmaster that they want the tickets to be like roughly twenty dollars or so. Like they don't want them to be three hundred dollars, right? Or they wouldn't, you know, let them sell the tickets. Uh, so they said yes, and then and then some place some people in the states had got like four tickets, and then the service charges were more than the price of the tickets. Yeah. Right. And so Robert Smith, who's the lead singer, just lost it. Right and you know, went after them. They've now they've they've now refunded uh, like ten dollars or uh, roughly ten dollars for every ticket that was was sold. And it's this, the concerts are not being listed on SeatGeek or on SeatGeek or StubHub. Yeah, like if you go to if you go to StubHub or SeatGeek to look for those tickets, you cannot find them. They're not listed, so they're not letting scalpers sell them. And the other thing too is is they're going to set it up like if you can't go to the show. They're going to set it up that Ticketmaster will take your ticket back and give it to somebody else who's on the list of people who wanted to go. It was all it was all by lottery. Like you had to you had to sign up to get a chance to buy a ticket, right? Mm-hmm. And by the time Jonathan and I got in, we were we got in around ten fifteen. Oh, it was on the day they went on sale, yeah, and it was bad. they were already gone. Yeah, we're sitting up in the nosebleed. Well, it's not that that's a horrible place we're in, but yeah, we're still we're probably closer for the price we paid. We're probably closer to the stage than we would would have been if we were at like Scotia Bank or at at rogers right yeah it's hard to say yeah but at least at least we're on a somewhat of a plane we're not uh 16 stories up yes it's true it's true yeah yeah i mean they're still going to be tiny but they're not going to be miniature right yeah yeah well better to be there such a strange venue it's it's stupid it's just absolutely stupid so they're everywhere else they're playing they're selling like 20 to twenty five thousand tickets per per event in Toronto, they're playing. Mm-hmm. It's fifteen. That's what that little little down by the lake. Fifteen thousand. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I get that it's nice to be outside on a summer night and it's in June and whatever. But like, I'll go inside. It's fine. Where are they playing in Montreal? Are they playing in Montreal? Yeah, they're or? playing at the Bell Center. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. No, if I had it to do over again, I would have put myself down on the list for Bell Center tickets too. Yeah, and then gotten a train and gone have a weekend. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I still I, I I wish there was another way to get better tickets because I would like to be uh, a little more immediately <laughs> placed than at the way at the back. But uh, what are you going to do? Well, who knows? We'll see as it, as the event gets closer. They may you know there may be ticket swaps or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because we bought we bought the tickets thinking, oh well, if we if we decide, you know to go together or not to go together or whatever, then, you know, we can always flip them. But now we found out we can't even do that, right? Yeah, I mean, you can still you know, upgrade, you know, like buy a more expensive ticket and give these to somebody else. That's it. You, know? you can still give them away. And again, at the price we paid to go sit up in the, the nosebleeds, it's... Yeah, it's not a, not a big... It's not going to hurt not us. Not going to hurt us, no. No. But it's like, you know, like... <laughs> it's almost like at this point a once-in-a-lifetime chance, right? Yeah. Like, you've only ever seen them. You've only ever seen them once, right? One time, yeah. And that was 30 years ago. Which is bonkers. Like, it's bonkers to think that, like, this band has been around so long that they've, you know, yeah, you could have seen them any number of times over their their histories. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's funny, like, timing-wise, obviously, we've been, we've gotten lucky. We went to go see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, yeah. their 40th anniversary tour, and people were like, I can't believe they've been together for 40 years. And Tom was dead, then, like, within, you know... Six, six months after we yeah. saw them. Um, you know, I, I passed up going to see Prince because I thought the tickets were too expensive and Prince was dead the next year. I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and, and go see the show. But uh, yeah, I'm, again, I'm just kind of bummed that we ended up on the back of that list. But uh, well, it was like Steve Hackett's coming through again. Right. And I, I, I must have seen him play that show like four times already. Like, I'm not going again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some artists that I, I feel like I could always see them when they come through, but, uh, you know, there's some artists also where I, you know, I've seen them two or three times, and I think, like, do something completely different, or maybe ten years from now, once I have less immediate memories of your shows, I'll go, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. But for Jaime, it would mean going outside, so. <laughs> hey, Jaime <laughs> went to the movie theaters recently, come on. That's true, what, yes. Mm-hmm. Sure. Spoiled by that, you know. 2021 Warner Brothers on HBO Max stuff. I'm like, man, why can't every time I see movies that are, you know, trailers, like there's the, the new, um, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon movie about Nike courting Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. 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 And I was like, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. which services is that a Netflix one? Is that on Amazon? What? I'm like, they're putting in the theaters. Disappointed. Just put that thing on Disney plus or Paramount plus. Yeah. <laughs> Peacock, just let me watch it from my couch. Uh, I'm getting entitled towards a, I really want this to be on streaming uh, sort of thing. Yeah. But I think, you know, we've talked about it in the past. That's kind of the thing that all of us do now. You make a little calculation in your head, like, do I need to see this immediately? As in, like, I don't, I want to be part of the conversation. Do I need to see it on a big screen? Because it's got a certain aesthetic that you really want to see on a big screen. And after that, you're like, well, then from there, where does it fall to? Does it fall to the, I'd rent it when it becomes available digitally? Or is it all the way down to, eventually it'll come to one streaming service or another, and that's when I'll finally consume this? That's uh, the movies I just referenced, 3,000 Years of Longing and Bullet Train, are both that last category for me. I was like, those look like great movies. I totally would watch those, and they look like fun. I'm not going to go see them otherwise. Yeah. So what is, uh, what's on the radar that's like enticing enough that you'd want to, like, go to a theater to see it, Jaime, will you, will you cave for the Flash movie? Will you cave for, uh, what's the next Marvel? Guardians 3, I guess, is the next Marvel movie? Mm, let's see here. I'm taking a look at my list here. So what's coming up? Super Mario Brothers, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm, Super Mario, Transformers yeah. Rise of the Beasts, maybe? <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, maybe? Oh, um, that was so good. I saw that in IMAX. It was so good. It was so good. The first mm, one was so good in IMAX. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I guess I'll have to see how uh, things go. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the power move is to to go to Super Mario Brothers in like the middle of the day 
on like a Wednesday or something <laughs> when all the kiddos are at school and go to like yeah, a 10 a.m. Really. showing. <laughs> yeah. That's probably better than being like, you know, the guy in his 40s in a theater full of children. Mm-hmm. Although it's fine. It's the same way we we're just talking about the Cure's longevity. Like Mario's such an enduring character now. Like it's going to, like, I think obviously there's nostalgia for like three generations. There are boomers who are affectionate for Mario, right? And there are also, you know, Gen Z. Xavier always busts my nuts about getting the generations wrong, so I, I won't elaborate. But yeah, Gen Which Alpha. One he? He's, I think, Gen Z. I think Quinn is Gen Alpha. Hmm. And I am somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Gabriel, I got Gabriel tickets, too. He's coming back. Yeah, yeah. Were you going to go with me? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I can't remember there. where we landed on that one. I think what I had said was, I've seen him, I'm good, but uh depends if oh, you yeah. have any other guests. Did you see him with Sting? Yeah, you and I saw him with Sting. Sting. Remember, that was the weird one where they kept, like, alternating songs. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the most right unusual experiences. Because remember, we went in, and we were like, oh, well, we'll go in because we want to see both of them. We figured it would be, like, Gabriel first and then Sting, and they decided they were going to do, like, alternating songs. And the place was half empty because everything. A lot of people were like, "I'm a Sting fan. I don't want to go see Peter Gabriel." Yeah, and they all showed up yeah. at like nine o'clock, being like, "What do you mean they've been playing for an hour?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I when I saw Jeff Beck and and Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck came out, played. I I missed his set, mm. and then because I I bought the tickets the day of the show, mm. and that was back in the day when you bought them from actual scalpers or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because I went by myself, and then I saw so I saw Eric Clapton, and then the two of them came out and played together, mm. right? So, nice. So I missed the Jeff Beck set, right? But I still was a phenomenal concert. And I was sitting like as far back. I mean, I'm essentially sitting at the other end of the, the stadium from Peter Gabriel. Like very first time I saw him, I was sitting at Maple Leaf Gardens on the complete opposite end of the arena, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I am again this time, right? Oh, well, you know, it's a tradition now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I've never, I've never, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, other than his, his, concert films, I've never seen him up close. Well, no, I, I shouldn't say that. I saw the Secret World Tour from a good seat. That was an amazing show. That was one of the first Robert Lepage. Oh yeah, the guy who did the visuals for the one we saw. That was really cool. And he he was you know he he also worked on the set for um, Zoo TV. Oh yeah, that was that was still probably the coolest show. And we were you and I were not close to that one either. But you didn't need to be. It was awesome. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I walked out of there a YouTube fan. Look how good it was. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, I've seen him do. He's done a number of Gabriel shows and. um, they're always interesting. Like he's he does like in the, like I saw him do one in, when he was at Center Ice and the the stage was round and so it didn't matter where you sat you had a great seat. Same with uh, Roger Waters was like that year too. Yeah, I saw Arcade Fire a number of years ago. Sharon, I went to go see uh, Arcade Fire. They did a theater in the round, but the stage rotated. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. very, uh, yeah, it was very weird because you'd be like there and you'd be, they'd be like going and then all of a sudden they'd be like moving away and then like another part of the band would be like spinning around. You'd be like, that's kind of weird. But the, they, the drummer was fixed in the middle, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. And like, I guess they didn't. Well, I saw Yes do that back in like the 70s, right? They, they played like all their famous early stuff, right? Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like, a, that was the first three hour concert I went to. Hmm. And my stupid friends wanted to leave during the encore, which was like the longest song. <laughs> yeah, I never understood leaving during the encore. Oh, well, it beat the traffic, you know? Oh, yeah, I got to beat that traffic. Mind you, I was sick that day. It was like, it was back in the day when I was still eating peanuts. And I saw I ended up, I was in, spent the entire time with my doubled over in pain. Oh, yeah, the music, yeah. Which is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, not good. Yep. 
That's a good thought. Anyway, we should wrap it yep. up. Wrap up time. So right, next guys. week is yeah, the uh, season finales of Clone Wars. I've got a couple more weeks of Mando and all that. Clone Wars? Oh, not Clone Wars. Bad Batch. Bad Batch? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Bit bitch. Bit bitch. Bit bitch. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that'll be wrapping up next week. I'm curious to see if they can... St- and then two explain. more. How many? Two more of Picard and... Uh, no, there's four more Picards Three? and four more Mandalorians. So we've got another okay, four cool. weeks. Uh, all right. Go. And then... I have to look it up. Something something Star Wars is coming out on May the 4th on Disney+, Plus, but I can't remember what it is. It's all mm. cut up. Alrighty. Alright. Talk to you next week. Talk at you later. Till next time. Bye. 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 Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.